Hello and welcome back to the latest Tink Business Podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Today, Tink Business catches up with Ashley Shack, Head of Sustainability and Programs at Dogpatch Labs, about how its 2050 Accelerator Program is playing a crucial role in combating the climate crisis by enabling startups to collaborate on climate-focused initiatives and positioning Ireland as a global testbed for innovation. We'll just start by talking really about the 2050 Accelerator Program. I understand that it's mainly focused towards sustainability challenges. Yeah, so the 2050 Accelerator is Ireland's national sustainability accelerator. And we say it's a national one because we have support from the Department of the Environment, Climate and Communications. So we're in this really exciting space where as Dogpatch Labs, um, that powers the 2050 Accelerator, get to work really closely with the government and work towards you know net zero goals that are... They have to be um, met by the wider EU. So that's actually where the 2050 title comes from. Um, That's the year that the wider EU governments have agreed that we're going to try and achieve that net zero goal by. Very good. And is this the first year of the program or has it already been running? Yeah, so it actually, it launched last year. Our official big launch party was... I think in March or in May, it seems like ages ago now. And then we ran our first core phase weeks in June. I think it was August and September. And so it's kind of, it's a six month project or six month accelerator, but there's only really three months where we have startups come here to Ireland and be here for in-person core phase weeks. And then that second um, three month phase is what we call Um, the pilot phase. So taking a little bit of a step back, um, what really sets the 2050 accelerator apart is that we have this really big focus on running pilots because that's the biggest way we think that we can have an impact on wider sustainability challenges, not just decarbonization, but other sustainability challenges, even in the social or the governance area. And so, yeah, that really sets us apart because a lot of accelerators out there they exist to teach startups really how to start up. And those are really important supports, especially in the early stage. Um, but we already know that a lot of really great sustainability startups exist out there. So we don't really need to teach them what sustainability is. They come into this program already knowing that we are at a different stage where we're really helping them find new customers. And so we work with these big corporate partners who have these wider sustainability strategies, um, different sustainability challenges or focus areas that they want to address. And we help them do that by pairing them up with startups. So really, it's a way for um, big corporates to kind of accelerate their own advancements um, and addressing their sustainability issues. And then also it's a way for startups to really get that route to market um, and a chance to work with new customers. And also for most of the startups, it's a chance for global scaling. And can you give me a flavour of the first cohorts and the kind of innovations that they kind of presided over? Yeah, so we, for this first cohort, we recruited 12 startups and they were from around the world. And so I think it has been one of Dogpatch's most diverse cohorts to date. Um, I do think a lot of the credit to that is that the innovation team is so diverse. Like myself, I come from the States. I was born and raised in the Silicon Valley in Cupertino, actually. And Mm -hmm. so we were really looking out there for different solutions that we could bring to Ireland um, with the whole hypothesis that we could make Ireland a testbed for sustainability innovation. And the way to do that, 
you know, we have the resources here. We have a really strong tech foundation, a really strong fintech um, foundation. It's just the talent pool might be a little smaller because of our relatively small size as an island. So we wanted to bring global talent here. So 12 startups from around the world, including North America. I think the furthest one from North America came from California, also someone from Connecticut. We had a couple of founders that originally from Mexico, we had founders from all over the UK and Europe. And so we're really excited um, at how diverse yeah, this program has been, quarter female founders, and we're really hoping for this new cohort, we can go even further. You know, this past year was a pilot. Um, so we were a little bit restricted um, with focus areas and stuff. But for this upcoming year, we're really hoping we can go even into deeper markets like in Africa and Asia. That would really show you know, our dedication to global sustainability challenges. And that's the thing. I mean, innovation can come from anywhere and, you know, different. It's very interesting you say Ireland could be a really good test bed for it um, because of the, I suppose, you know, as you mentioned there, the tech community, uh, fintechs. Um, but I suppose also the climate here is quite ambient. So we're not, we don't really have any extremes. To, can you tell me about <laughs> some of instead of um being able to 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 trial their technology here and just the kind of companies that um you know the kind of solutions they created and 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 worked on here yeah sure so what I can first do is actually talk about, you know, we had three corporate partners. We had Carrie Group, which is the leading supplier of sustainable nutrition ingredients in the world. We have Quilcha, who is Ireland's semi-state forestry agency. They own about 8% of Ireland's land, which is forested. And then we were also working with ESB. So um, they're Ireland's largest energy supplier. And so within those three companies, uh, those three corporate partners, they all had sustainability challenges, like I was saying, they wanted to address. So, for example, Carry Group, they really wanted to focus on animal health because they know that a healthy cow basically means less greenhouse gas emissions. And the interesting thing about agriculture or even just the dairy industry, there's a lot of people out there in the sustainability space that think dairy or cows, you know, the meat industry is evil. But the really interesting thing about that industry is while they are one of the biggest emitters of greenhouse gas emissions, like we can't deny that, they're also the industry that has the biggest opportunity, the largest potential to be able to scale that back. And it's widely known in, I think, just the tech ecosystem that farmers have one of the fastest uptakes of technological advances. 100%. They're natural innovators, you know, just by nature, they have to be. So it was actually really cool to be working in the ag tech space. Um, and when I spoke about one of the founders coming all the way from California, it was a company called EIO Diagnostics. What's really cool is they started off as a hardware company. They created like a thermal um, camera that can detect early infections of mastitis, which is an infection of the udder, of the dairy cow. And then from there, they utilized AI to be able to learn about which cows are sick and be able to relay that information back to the farm laborers. And I think it's a really cool all-around sustainability issue or challenge that's been solved because at the core, we have that animal health problem, you know, so a healthy cow means less greenhouse gas emissions. But what I also love about that solution is there's that whole social side to sustainability that so many people forget about, but is so important to us and is so important to society. But 
um, when I was talking to the founder, she was saying that traditional methods of trying to find if a cow has a mastitis infection is very time, labor intensive, can be somewhat dangerous, and the farmhands don't want to do it. And especially with EIO Diagnostics, working with farms in the Central Valley in California, a lot of these farmhands are also migrant workers or minority workers who might not have as much of a say or as much power to speak up about these labor conditions. And so the founder at EIO Diagnostics, Tamara, was able to create this solution that takes it utilizes AI to take away this job that people don't want to do, which is almost like, you know, the opposite of what you hear today. Everyone's like, AI is taking our jobs and that's a bad thing. But I love this solution and talking about it because it's AI taking a job that no one wants to do. And it's contributing to both social and environmental sustainability challenges. So that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I remember a colleague of mine who works in agriculture in the bank uh, pointing out that nobody cares more about the land and the environment and the farmers themselves because they live off it. And I think that's the point that's often missed by all, you know, people who claim to be eco-conscious. But, you know, you have to realise that the farmers themselves have a vested interest in, in the land, you know, and, and, the, and the animals and everything else being well cared for. So I think I think that's something that needs to be borne in mind. Yeah, and I think we have a really great view into that here in Ireland because, you know, farmers and farms aren't that far away from the city centre. So in any day here, I'll be walking along and I can talk to someone who might be a farmer or one degree, you know, removed from a farmer. So we realise that here. But even when I was growing up in California, being in the city, I was so far removed from that reality. I remember mm -hmm. I was probably like 10 years old. I told my parents, I was like, I'm going to stop eating meat. I'm going to stop eating beef and I'm going to solve this. At the time, we were calling it global warming right? I was like, beef is the devil. <laughs> and now today, I like to think I'm a little bit more well-versed on these issues. I do eat beef again, of course, <laughs> not as much. <laughs> I also can't not eat beef in Ireland. That's a crime, right? <laughs> that is true. And, and most Irish people will tell you, look, no matter how whether, no matter how D4 they claim to be or whatever, most Irish people are just a generation from being from the land, right? Let's, let's be honest. Um, but I suppose the the um, thing I'd like to ask you about is the, the actual, uh, the way the digital and eco, eco worlds collide in terms of, you know, like... Uh, there's some great companies in Ireland, for example, that have done some great ag tech in innovations. And there's a company down in Kerry called Moo Call, and they put a device on a cow's tail, and they know when the cow is about to, um, you know, give birth to a calf. Um, you know, just just clever technology. And there's many, many other examples. And I know, um, you know, there's a, there's there's work in California to, you know deal with situations like drought and, and, and other things. So the, the ability to use sensors and software, pull it all together and make it into something incredibly useful is is there. Um, how, how great a job do you think we can do in terms of the, the challenges we have in terms of how, how much of a role technology can play in actually solving the sustainability challenge or the, 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 the net zero ambition of so many people? Yeah, I mean, I think what you were saying, even, you know, talking about how there's just sensors we can use here and maybe also in other countries and stuff. What's amazing and what we really wanted to do, of course, here is make Ireland that test bed for that sustainability innovation. But an example, yeah. even if we 
EIO Diagnostics again, like the dairy industry here and in the States, it is pretty different just because of the scale. Um, mm. But we learned also it's different with the milking parlors, one being a parallel parlor and one being a herringbone parlor. And um, that was the difference between the United States and Ireland. But Tamara, the founder of EIO Diagnostics, knew that if she could change around her system, that same sensor, but just make it work here, I don't remember if here's the herringbone or parallel, but if she could make it work here, she could then make it work all over Europe, all over Africa, all over Asia. And that I think is such a great example of what we want to be able to do here. She knew there's that issue. She just never had that opportunity to really make that switch. And so if we can do that here in Ireland and create that space where we can give startups and founders the opportunity to test and validate their tech, the support of these huge corporates, I think that will make such a big difference in being able to scale these sustainability solutions. Because like you said, there's so many great sustainability solutions out there. It's mm. just a lot of times also, they're going to be hardware solutions and that's expensive. As we all know um, it's hard for VCs to understand sometimes. So I think that's why a program like the 2050 Accelerator, we're there to take that risk or I guess even remove that risk. We're that middle person between that startup and that corporate partner. And we're really there to accelerate that collaboration to make sure we can scale that tech to everywhere in the world. Yeah, I was in Kenya in November or October, actually. And, um, you know, I, I was in a part of Kenya where they had a drought that lasted four years. And it was basically the front line of what climate change represents. And I was thinking, you can't really make it rain, but certainly you can use <laughs> digital technologies to to better uh, understand things like weather conditions, maybe drones. You know, there's, there's so many opportunities. But I suppose... Um, the work of the accelerator can you can you describe to me i suppose uh the regimen that you apply to the companies themselves to kind of take them from people to what some people think are just novel ideas to actually meaningful solutions that are also um businesses that will drive revenues and create jobs um because you know every startup has to be sustainable for itself too and uh Tell, tell us a bit about some of the regimen you apply in terms of how you, you know, from from I think you, you touched on it there at the start where you talked about the first three months and day of, of of one element of the course and the other three months being um, the validation of it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the startups we work with or we search for are pretty late stage. They already have proven market um, product fit. And so, like I said, we don't actually need to train them that much, I guess, in the core competencies of being a startup. But in that three-month core phase where they come to us for three weeks, what we really focus on is actually building that relationship with the corporate partner. So what we do train is teach these startups how to interact with a corporate partner. Um, we help them a lot with their business modeling, um, those negotiations, price negotiations, and stuff like that. So it's also a really exciting time for the startup where they're learning as they're doing, which is also really cool. Um, but we do have, we or we've noticed actually, there is a bit of a funnel for some startups we can see. Like we had one startup that started in NDRC, the National Accelerator, that's also powered by Dogpatch. Their name was mm -hmm. Hiker, actually an Irish startup. Um, yeah. And they 
were recommended to us for 2050 because our corporate partner, Quilcha, was looking for a way that they could increase um, number of people who go to their parks and basically try and figure out what to do, like gather that data and see what they can learn from that, looking at perceptions of sustainability and interactions with the environment. And Hiker was the perfect candidate because they were, I think it is actually the most downloaded hiking app in Europe, definitely in the Irish market. And so, yeah, we had that kind of funnel where NDRC, they really learned, you know, more how to start up and really fine tuned their product. And then once they were looking for even more or more customers, they went over to the 2050 accelerator. And so that's really exciting for us because we take those startups who, you know, are really good at what they do. And then we're able to help them find customers in that three month um, phase, basically. We also offer them supports. What we've really found we get good feedback on is startups, no matter what stage they're at, whether they're late stage or early stage, they always love the supports in learning how to pitch and how to tell a story. I mean, mm. I think I, I, our pitch coach actually posted on LinkedIn the other day and she was like, I have bad news for you. You might think you're a good speaker, but you're really not. Everyone can always improve on their speaking, their storytelling um, and stuff like that. So that is an integral part. We spend basically one third of the program, one of those three uh, core in phase or in-person core phases. I'm teaching the startup how to better tell their story, um, which will help even for investors. Um, but it was really what we say is for that boardroom pitch. So they're working those three weeks um, to sell to their partner. And then at the end of the three um, core phases, they kind of pitch to the wider executive team to get that final okay to run that pilot, which is then that next three month phase. Very good. And, and where are we at then on the next cohort starting? And what, what, what's, what's, what's happening next with, 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 the, with the program? Yeah, so we're actually at a very exciting phase. Naturally, I guess we kind of aligned it with the new year, um, but we're finalizing all of the corporate partners for this new next um, iteration of the program. And then in March of this year, March 2024, is when we are going to open up recruitment for startups. So definitely keep your eyes peeled. Look at the dog patch socials. Look at the 2050 Accelerator website. Um, we'll be talking about the different sustainability challenges we're looking for um, and different startups that might fit in there. So like I said earlier, we really want it to be an even more global program. So we're encouraging startups from all over the world to really apply for this because we really realize that diversity of founders, diversity of backgrounds, diversity of ideas, it just improves any and all programs. And of course, that's what we need to solve these sustainability issues. I mean, you mentioned Kenya earlier. I think we, or at least my team, I look over to different African entrepreneurs for, you know, we call reverse innovation. Like you were talking about the drought. It's innovating out of need, out of necessity. But at the end of the day, you come out with these same products that we need and that will do well on the market. So I think it'd be really interesting to look into Africa and Asia for different sustainability solutions. Brilliant. And with that, thank you so much, Ashley Shack. Uh, you heard it there, the 2050 Accelerator Programme from Dogpatch Labs. Stay tuned. Some amazing things are going to happen this year. So thank you very much, Ashley. Thank you.